0: For this week's uh, case of the week, I actually chose one of my own cases because I had a very interesting uh, case come through our door a couple of months ago, actually, before we got started. And you can see here, as we take a look at it, this is a patient who is suffering from um, some pretty severe tetracycline staining. Uh, as you look in there, you can kind of see the effects uh, on all the teeth except for this one. And of course, the one crown that's been done here that. Kind of stands out like a sore thumb, uh, a PF, an old PFM that looks very opaque at the same time. We've got some uh, edge-to-edge bite uh, issues over here on the patient's right-hand side. It gets a little bit better with the centrals um and then we're back into more of a proper occlusion over on on the patient's left hand side but these are really tricky cases to deal with Uh, i've tried doing them uh, with no prep veneers that doesn't work the veneers are way too thin i've tried them with minimal prep veneers and that doesn't seem to work either you still have bleed through of the color and i've tried it with fully prep veneers as well and the problem is as you start to prep into these teeth you you learn that the tetracycline is really in the dentin and and by removing the enamel the color gets more intense on the stump shade as you go deeper into the tooth and so um, his sister who also works here was somebody who I worked on who had tetracycline staining and we tried making two sets of veneers on her a minimal Prep set of veneers and then a fully prepped set of veneers. And neither of those worked. She wasn't happy with either. And so we ended up going with uh, full crowns. And she's a technician, as is he. And so she was reluctant to go to full crowns. But, And we got there kind of a weird way by doing two sets of veneers first. But uh, it was only then that she realized that to truly get the type of aesthetic change that she wanted, it was going to have to be crowns. And frankly, after we had done the, uh, the normally prepped veneers the way I was taught uh, at LVI back in the day, that's basically almost a crown prep anyway. We just really needed to prep the lingual surface uh, at that point to make it a full crown. So I'm all for uh, conservative dentistry. In fact, I vastly prefer minimal prep veneers over traditionally prep veneers. But when we're trying the only reason we're doing this is to try to get a nice aesthetic change sometimes our hand is forced towards crowns. so this is the brother of that patient who saw what we went through uh, with his sister case because he made those restorations and so uh, at this point he was ready to start and say let's just do crowns because their teeth were about the same shade so you can see where we're starting and how dark they are and so he was on board with crowns from the very beginning because we both felt that was the only way we were going to really be able to get uh, any kind of an aesthetic change. What, what I wanted to do was use some Bruxer crowns as well. Um, we had see, we've seen before that uh, sometimes we get bleed through of the stump shade on Emacs and sometimes we don't, but we hadn't done a case like this yet with Bruxer. And this technician works in the Bruxer department, so he was happy uh, to do it. So we're gonna actually do Bruxer crowns on these teeth to see if we have any kind of show through of the preps once we're done. So we just start off by placing that uh, PFG gel into his vestibule. This is, again, the super strong uh, topical anesthetic that I use that um, gives great anesthesia. Patients simply cannot feel the needle piercing the mucosa we put that on we rinse it off we don't leave it on any longer than about 45 to 60 seconds before we begin preparing the teeth and then as part of the uh, reverse preparation sequence the very first thing we're going to do is break the contacts between the teeth now in this case because we're prepping both uh, teeth number eight and nine uh, we're going to use the 856025 burr to uh, go in and break the contacts and start our interproximal margin formation at the same time. If we were, for example, only prepping teeth number eight and nine, when we got to the distal of nine between tooth number nine And 10 we would just use a 55 burr so that we broke the contact just by prepping the distal of number nine But anytime we're prepping the two adjacent teeth I just skip that 55 burr we're gonna go right to that 856025 burr my favorite burr and go in there and break the contact and start our Interproximal margin formation at the same time once we do that and we break that contact then we can go ahead and put that first cord in that double zero cord, but I actually don't have any uh, intention of taking um, the impression today by the end of this, but the the cord being in place helps us kind of dial in where to put the margin. Now, as the next uh, step of the reverse preparation technique, you can see this eight hundred one oh two one burr. This is probably a burr you're not completely familiar with. It's a round diamond, and the one time that I use it is uh, for the gingival reduction when I'm doing this reverse preparation technique and you can see how nicely it does two things. We've accomplished two great things here. We've got adequate reduction in the gingival third, and the other thing that we've done is given ourselves a head start on forming uh, the gingival margin. In fact, it's almost completely done. When we do the axial reduction on the rest of the tooth here, we're gonna be left with a quarter circle, a deep one millimeter quarter circle, at the gingival margin, and that's kind of the perfect deep chamfer, shallow shoulder, uh, whatever you want to call it. We want to make sure we have enough thickness here so that we don't have the stump shade of the tetracycline teeth showing through. In fact, when we struggled with with his sister with those two sets of veneers, where we struggled the most was in the gingival third, where the material, the restorative material was the thinnest, and that's where we really had a lot of show through. The incisal edge wasn't that bad. So we wanna make sure, even though we can be more conservative with Bruxer, in a case like this where we wanna make sure that we don't see the underlying tooth showing through, we're gonna go ahead and do our regular reduction with the 801021 21 burr, as if this was gonna be a lava crown or an Emax crown or a PFM crown. But you can see how nicely that depth cut uh, and that margin formation starts with that round burr. It's kind of the key to the technique. And of course, this is another key to the technique as well. Um, The the reason I started doing this prep technique is so I wouldn't have to guess anymore about how much I've reduced. And you can see uh, as we go in here and put a a two millimeter depth cut in here, uh, you can see how this depth cutter is is self-limiting it can't go any deeper than the little shoulder right here and by the time I put two or three little two millimeter depth cuts in here it's very easy just to go in and blend the three of those and have a nice two millimeter reduction uh... when I started practicing here at the lab 12 years ago that was the one complaint that I got from the technicians all the time is you gotta give us more room uh... what why aren't you able to see what two millimeters of occlusal or incisal reduction looks like and that's when I started looking around and found these uh, depth cutting burrs for Maxis Dental so that I could be sure when I gave them a case that it was two millimeters of incisal reduction. And I, I don't get the technicians coming up to me asking for more room anymore because now I'm giving them what every laboratory and every ceramic manufacturer has been asking for and recommending for years, one and a half to two millimeters of incisal or occlusal reduction. So at this point, Uh, As we look at this picture, you can see that we've got the uh, depth cuts in the gingival thirds of all the teeth. So we've got a millimeter of reduction there and we've got the beginning of our margin. You can see that we've got our incisal edge depth cuts uh, into all those teeth as well. And you can also see at the junction of the incisal third and the middle third, that we have our axial depth cut. And so now really all we have to do is take that favorite burr of mine, that 856.025, that big fat one you saw in the beginning, and now is the fun part, because we can just fly through this preparation. Uh, I'm not saying we don't pay attention, but I'm saying that we don't have to stop and check our reduction at any point we know because of these depth cuts we're as deep as we need to be and so you can prep very quickly because you know exactly where you're going now there's a road map that's unfolded in front of you uh, in terms of these depth cuts and now we know exactly where we need to go I and mean, we just need to make all those depth cuts go away so you spend a little extra time in the beginning on the front third of the prep sequence putting these little depth cuts in but now you can just fly now there's you know the depth cuts will tell you where to go and will help shape the preparations for you and that's what i like at this point is that all the guessing has been removed there's literally no guessing at this point point. and so about um, 30 minutes later we end up with those uh, teeth being all prepared. And again, because of the depth cuts, uh, because I'm able to use those to reduce enough tooth, the preps just end up looking like they're supposed to look. Not because um, I've all of a sudden grown an artistic set of hands and I can now shape these types of preparations from the teeth. That's really not it. I just remove all the depth cuts and this is what is left over. And it just happens to be the shape of an ideal prep for this. And As I mentioned earlier, you can see some of the areas on the dentin where uh, the teeth are definitely darker than they are in some other ones. You know, you can see uh, that on tooth number eight, we've got some real uh, dark tooth structure, almost all the way to the cervical third. Number nine's got it all the way to the cervical third. Some of the other teeth are dark, but not as dark in the cervical third. Maybe that had to do with where they were in terms of mineralization, in terms of the patient's age when he was taking uh, the tetracycline. So uh, at this point, Um, Because I've learned that on these anterior aesthetic cases that the one thing that used to bite me in the butt all the time was trying to take the impression on this day and then deliver the restorations at the next appointment. I slow down now on these large anterior cases, and today I'm just gonna reline the biotemps and put them onto these preparations, then have the patient back in about a week, a week and a half, and we'll finish any little preparation refinement we need, pack the cords, take the impressions, and being able to put the biotemps back on, because sometimes the biotemps will cause tissue levels to move and we need to adjust the prep. And I wanna be able to know what my biotemps are going to do to the tissue when they're on these teeth and i need that extra appointment to be able to do that i need to be able to put the BioTemps on at this appointment and be disciplined and patient enough uh, to take the master impression at the next appointment knowing that it's going to save me a bunch of time when i go to seat them and i'm going to end up with some really nice fitting restorations especially at the gingival third at the interface between the restoration and the gingiva itself so my goal today at this point is just to get those bio temps on and this is actually going to be from a video we're editing right now it'll be available on the GlideWell website under the clinical videos and you'll be able to watch this entire case start to finish and you can see the restorations that we have here on the end and really this is just what i wanted to show you today is that You know, I've kind of found another use um, for Bruxer restorations, and this happens to be for anterior Bruxer restorations. Most dentists understand why you would use Bruxer in the posterior because of its high strength. It's able to go places where other tooth-colored crowns can't go, like lower second molars. It's actually able to function uh, as a cast gold replacement when you want to do cast gold and the patient doesn't want to do it. And dentists at my lectures will often raise their hand and say, well, why would I do um, are on anterior teeth, and a lot of times I say, you know, I'm not sure. You may want to just use Emacs unless the patient has broken previous ceramic restorations, or shows a lot of wear on their anterior teeth. And then when this case came in, I realized, well, here's another reason why we might wanna do anterior bruxer restorations. You'll notice that we cannot see uh, any of that tetracycline stump shade showing through uh, those crowns at all. I really don't think I could see any. If I could see a little bit, I I would tell you about it and, and point it out, but uh... this material does a good job of blocking out underlying tooth structure uh... While continuing to be um... uh... i should say translucent enough uh... to still be aesthetic now it's not going to show the kind of transparency that empress or or emacs does but we continue to work on it and continue to improve it but the good news is if you've got one of these dark tetracycline cases. And again, all you have to do is look at these lower teeth to remember what those upper ones looked at. Uh, In this case, Bruxer shows that it can be uh, a very good restoration for blocking out that color and giving a patient uh, a more highly desirable aesthetic result on teeth like that. The patient wants to go ahead and do uh, the lower ones um, next year and so he'll probably be able to um, replace all of that look on his teeth so when he when he speaks or smiles you won't be able to see those dark tetracycline stains anymore so uh, of course it's helped bruxer's helped here by the fact that all these units that all 10 of these units are next to each other and we're not trying to match it to a natural tooth my point being, I wanted to share with you that I think, uh, I feel like I found another good indication for anterior bruxer restorations when we're trying to improve the aesthetics of somebody who's got a very deep tetracycline staining.